I don't know how many of you are big fans of taking Facebook quizzes. Maybe some of you are. Those Facebook quizzes definitely uh, go around. You know, certain ones get popular at different times. So you may see one that's like, are you Tom or are you Jerry? Or like, which character are you from Harry Potter? Or which character are you from Pride and Prejudice? Or from Downton Abbey? Or whatever it may be. I saw one the other day that was, can you answer this super hard Golden Girls quiz? I thought that was an interesting one. It may be that in certain social circles, being an expert on the Golden Girls is really cool. Uh, Not in mine, but maybe in yours. I don't know. Uh, There was one that said, only one in 50 Baptists can answer these questions, right? So I guess if you take it, that could be a cool mantle to wear as I'm better than 98% of the other Baptists on the planet because I can answer this question, you know. So these quizzes go around and I'll admit I've taken some of them. I don't know about you. I've taken some of them from time to time. And I wondered uh, this week as I saw some of them going around, why is it that these intrigue us so much? Why is it that you're always kind of tempted to take that quiz? Uh, And here's what I came to. I think we're tempted to take those quizzes partly because they tell us something, or at least we hope they'll tell us something about ourselves, a little bit about our own personality, maybe about our aptitudes, maybe about our background. And and there's something in us, I think, that we want to know about ourselves because the idea is the more that we know about ourselves, the more maybe we can understand what our future ought to look like, right? So if I understand my skills and my talents and my background and all of these things about me, then maybe I can form some sort of plan about what I ought to do next, right? Some of you are big fans of personality tests. So you know that you are an INTJ or whatever it may be, and you compare those personalities. I'm an otter and you're a lion or whatever it may be. And that's a big part of uh, your interest, right? If you were in high school, you probably took a career aptitude test, didn't you? And that career aptitude test looked at what are you good at? What are you not good at? What do you like? What do you hate? And based on those things, they give you some sort of suggestion about what you ought to do in the future. When I was in high school, it seemed like a lot of the tests told kids that they should be a farmer. Uh, We suspected that the tests were put together by a farmer's council or something like that. Right, but the idea is if I know who I am, then I have a better shot, hopefully, of knowing what I ought to do in the future. Churches are no different. I think the more that we understand as a church a little bit about who we are, a little bit about our history, a little bit about some of our values as a church, the better we're going to understand where God is calling us to go as a congregation. For some of you, you have joined Grace since Creekside launched. So maybe you've been a part of Grace for two years or less. Some of you may be here for the first or second time. And so for you, what I want to do this morning is lay out, here's a little bit about who we are. You may not even know that Grace Bible Church is a multi-campus church, that we have Creekside and Anderson and Southwood and a Mandarin campus. You may never have set foot on any of our other campuses. For others of you, for many of you in this room, I know you've heard this over and over. This is old hat to you. And so a lot of this stuff is going to be refresher But I think it's critical. I think at least once a year, if not more often, we need to go back and say, these are the things that uh, our church believes deeply. These are the values that guide us. And based on those values, I want to give us a little bit of information about where we're going to head for the future. That's where we're going this morning. A little bit of a refresher of our values, who we are, and then where we're going. What's the vision for the future? And then I want to end with some thoughts about how you can participate, how you can be a part of what we're doing next. 
All right, but first I want to go back and we're going to talk this morning a little bit about who we are as a church, as Grace Bible Church. Uh, somebody in here probably knows, I'm curious, does anybody know what year Grace Bible Church was founded? Anybody? What did I hear, Andrew? I heard 5367 or 57, you're close, a little later than that. 65. Somebody said it. 1965. All right. 1965. So in 2015, we had our 50th year anniversary. Anybody know what was the number one song in August of 1965? Any guesses? Somebody guessed like the old rugged cross first service. So they're not a real big pop music fan. The, uh, the, the number one song in August 1965 was I Got You Babe by Sonny and Cher. Number one movie, 1965. Somebody's got to know this one. The Hills Are Alive with The Sound of Music, right? 1965, number one movie. The average salary, 1965, was $6,400. Uh, a postage stamp cost five cents. I learned also this week, in the fall of 1965, not only did Grace start in 1965, but Cool Whip was first introduced into the market and quickly became the top-selling whipped topping product. I don't know how many it was competing against, but uh, Cool Whip came in. So that's huge, right? Historically. Uh, but we look back and we go, man, a lot has changed. The songs are different. The salaries are different. Our lives in many ways are different. Our culture is different. Uh, College Station and Texas A&M are very different. 1965, the student enrollment at Texas A&M was 9,400 students. The town of College Station, the population was around 15,000 people. Today, at least as of last year, the student enrollment at A&M was 66,000 students. Population of College Station is around 110,000 and growing fast. So our community has changed rapidly. It's grown rapidly. All right, but there's some things that haven't changed. And some of these values we're going to talk about are things that haven't changed. And like I said, we want to get a good refresher to say as much as our world has changed, there are ideas from the scripture that have guided this church from the beginning that have not changed. Uh, some of you know your kids are about to go back to school. Maybe they've already gone back. Maybe they're going back in a week or tomorrow. A couple of my kids are going back tomorrow. And as you uh, get ready, maybe you're excited, right? You're ready for them to go back to school. I know not because not you want them out of the house. You just want them to learn, right? You know that. And so you're excited for them to go back, but you may be also thinking they need to review, right? There are things they need to review. So you may have told one of your kids, you need to rehearse your multiplication tables. And the child says, no, I know know them. I've I've known them. I know them for years. I've got them down, right? And you say, but but I want you to review, right? Because day one, you're going to start by building on those multiplication tables. That's what we're going to do this morning is a little review, even though we may know these values. All right, so what are some of the values that have guided us as Grace Bible Church? First one is this, the gospel of grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. All right, from the very inception of Grace Bible Church, I mean, we're called Grace Bible Church. Grace has been a foundation for us, a pillar in the ground that we've said we will preach and proclaim the undeserved favor of God, meaning that eternal life is an absolutely free gift and that we walk with God not based on a list of rules that are not in the scripture, but we walk as Christians based on the 
law of the spirit, not the law of the flesh. Uh, at one of our elder meetings this past week, uh, one of our elders was telling a story that I had forgotten about that relates to the founding of our church. As I mentioned, founded in 1965, uh, and right around that time, the church was pretty small, but right around that time, there was a conflict in the church. And the conflict centered around this question, should we take communion using wine or grape juice? That was the the issue that they were fighting about. Because some people said, no, we should never ever partake of alcohol. Uh, The church at the time was called Bryan Baptist Temple. So they were a traditional Baptist church. They said, no alcohol. Another group said, no, it really doesn't matter. That's not a rule the scripture lays out. So we're not going to draw a line in the sand around whether we partake of alcohol or not. Now, as I understand it, they never actually, nobody ever actually partook of communion with alcohol. It was just a theoretical argument they were having. So the pastor at the time, one of the early pastors, began to preach a sermon series about walking in grace, that we follow the law of the Spirit of God rather than the law of of the flesh. And it split the church. There's like 12 people went this way and 12 people went that way. It was huge in 1965. Right? And, and I, you know, I, I heard the story and it's easy to laugh. You go, man, what a small thing to, to split a group over. But actually at its heart, it wasn't a small thing. Right? Because the question before them was this. Will we be a church that preaches the grace of God and preaches that not only do we believe salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, but that we walk in the grace of God through the power of the Spirit rather than making a list of regulations that we then use to say, you draw closer or further to God based on our own list you got to check off. So we have always been a church that foams at the mouth on the subject of grace. It's written into our DNA. So many people I know over the years, not because of anything one pastor has said, but because of their encounter with the grace of God at this church, said, man, it transformed my life to understand the grace. So we believe in salvation by grace through faith. Every Sunday, this is why every Sunday from this stage, you will hear the gospel preached as clearly as we know how. That Jesus died for our sin, that Jesus rose again, and all who trust in Jesus can have eternal life and forgiveness of sins, not based on what we do, but on the basis of of his grace. So the first value, the first pillar is the grace of God. The second one is the word of God. 2 Timothy 3:16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Right? We're called Grace Bible Church. Right At some point, it, it went from a Baptist church to a Bible church. That's nothing against Baptist churches, but the founders of this church said that we want to stake our reputation as being known as a church that teaches the Word of God. And I remember being in seminary at one point, and there was a chapel speaker who came to our chapel, and he was a well-known pastor in the Dallas area. And, and I remember him talking about preaching. And I remember him saying, you know, you never really should just teach through a book of the Bible because that's the least creative way to go about your preaching. And I remember thinking, look, I want to I preach the word of God with creativity, certainly, and preach it and bring to life the relevance that is in the scripture. Right? But we've always said our fundamental goal is not first and foremost to be 
creative, to say, hey, look, I've got something creative to say. And I want to use the Scripture to say what I want to say. Instead, we say, we stand under the authority of the Scripture. It was at this church for me that, that the Word of God really first came alive. I had grown up in churches. I had heard sermons from the Bible. I had heard thousands of thoughts about what the Scripture meant. But uh, sometime around my senior year in college, I joined a Bible study. It was called a Challenge Group. And at the time, it was led by Brian Fisher, who teaches at our Anderson campus and is our senior pastor. And it was the first time I walked into a Bible study, and the leader didn't tell me what to think. He opened up the book of 2 Timothy and he said, I want you to read it. And he'd say, okay, Matt, you read this section. Now I want you guys to make observations and then tell me, what does it mean? What is it that the scripture is saying? And how does that impact your life? And we were like, aren't you supposed to tell it? Like you're the leader. He said, no, the goal here is not for me to tell you what to do. The goal is we stand under the authority, not of a leader, but under the authority of the word of God. And for the first time it became living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword in my heart and mind. came alive. So that's why this fall, for example, we do series like the book of Ephesians. It's not that we are against ever doing topical series, and we do them. Right? In our Bible studies, we study, we study the Scripture right? because we believe first and foremost we stand under the authority of God's Word. Right? So we believe in the grace of God. We believe in the Word of God. Third pillar or value is the, the strategic value of students and families worshiping together. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2. Now, this isn't directly about college students, but Paul said, "...the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also." Here's what Paul is saying, that we are called to spiritual multiplication, right? This is an intergenerational discipleship process. When we preached through 2 Timothy a year or so ago, we talked about this passage where Paul says, look, you take what I've taught Timothy, and you teach it to other men who will teach it to other men so that there becomes this intergenerational process of making disciples, right? So wherever we are as a church, not every church sits near a university, but wherever a church is, they are called to identify the influencers and the spiritual multipliers in their community and say, we're going to pour into their lives. So they pour into the lives of others. So early in the history of our church, our elders and leadership looked around and they said, who are the influencers and the spiritual multipliers in this community? And of course, at the time, even though A&M was a lot smaller than it is now, they said, here's a great group of spiritual influencers. Let's pour into their lives. When I was the college pastor at Grace, one of our original founding elders, uh, Dick Davison, he's now with the Lord, but... Dick just, I mean, talk about foam at the mouth about students. This was his heartbeat for this church. And so I would be studying on a Tuesday or Wednesday, and, uh, you know, I might have the do not disturb sign on my door, but Dick would just walk in and he'd go, I need to ask you a question. You got to think about this. If we had a million dollars, right? And over the years, it, it grew to like $10 million, you know, but if we had all of this money, what would we do to expand the impact of God's kingdom on that campus? What would you do? I want you to think about that. I'm like, I'm studying right now, but all right, right? And I put it aside and I learned to cherish those times that he came in and did that because it built in my heart a vision that through people who have a heartbeat for spiritual multiplication, God can do amazing 
things, right? The thing that actually has made grace, I think, almost unique among churches near universities, it's not just that there are college students who go here. It's actually that there have been families who have said, we're willing to set aside our rights and privileges and the things at times that we think are important for the sake of the next generation. Right? We're willing, at, you know, at our Anderson campus, sometimes uh, they say, look, we're willing to park a half a mile away and walk down here and risk not getting a seat because we believe in the vision of this church to make disciples, who make disciples, right? Creekside is our youngest campus, obviously, and so we look around and we don't have the hundreds of college students that they have at some of our, at our, at our other campuses, right? There are some college students in here. I, I see some of y'all in here this morning. Most of the college students come to this service. We have a college group that starts up next week. My encouragement to us as a congregation is even though we don't have a lot of students, we still participate in this aspect of the vision of Grace Bible Church that if you're sitting next to a college student, I encourage you, take them to lunch, offer to have them in your home. I guarantee you, offer a student a free meal. They will show up if they can. Invest in their lives. Say thank you to them for serving in the nursery. Some of them take care of your kiddos in the nursery or in the elementary area during the first service. And recognize that this has always been a part of who Grace Bible Church is. We're not here primarily just to make a convenient and helpful environment for ourselves, but to pass on the good news of Jesus so that we're teaching and training the next generation to know and follow him, college students or young adults or kiddos, in fact. So gospel of grace, word of God, students and families together, and then fourthly, global missions, global missions. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right, the idea is this has always been a Great Commission church, a church that says we want to make disciples, not just here in College Station, not just in the United States, but to all the nations. We want to be a part of this Great Commission. Another story from the early days of our church is that uh, somewhere around 1967, I think, it's a small church, and at the time they weren't really even able to pay the full salary of their pastor. They had one pastor, they were struggling to pay him, but they had a missions conference. They had some missionaries come and talk to the congregation about what God was doing in the nations. And there were four elders at the time, and those four elders got together and they said, you know, we are moved by the reality of the Great Commission. And so even though we're a financially strapped church, they said, we're going to give to some missionaries. So they selected four missionaries and they gave each one $10 a month. And they said, that's what we can do. And that developed into a commitment to make a large percentage of our budget dedicated to overseas missions so that actually today there are somewhere around 80 missionaries, full-time missionaries supported by Grace Bible Church all over the world. It's, it's hard to uh, go overseas and engage with any sort of missions effort, actually, I found, without running into somebody who is connected to Grace Bible Church in some way. Right? Because the early leaders of our church said, we want to be a Great Commission church who takes the grace of God and the word of God and that desire to multiply 
and uses whatever resources we have to expand that around the world. All right, so there you have it. Those are the values, the gospel of grace, the word of God, students and families together, global mission. So you can see how this cycle goes is that we preach the gospel, right? We make disciples through the word of God. We draw in the next generation so they can hear about the good news. And then what we do is we say, go out, go out to the world, go out to wherever God is taking you, into your careers, into overseas missions, into full-time ministry, wherever it is that God has taken you, take the values that you've learned here and go impact the world. That's what we do. That's the heartbeat of our mission. Over the last several months, some of our pastors, we've been talking about how can we express what we want to do as a church? How can we express this cycle easily in a phrase we can remember? Right Here's where we landed for the moment is this. We help people find and follow Jesus. That is, we go into our community and we say, we want people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. We want to proclaim the gospel and then we want to help people follow Jesus, to know his word and then be faithful to obey the spirit and obey God's word. And then to repeat the cycle, to go out and find others and help them follow Jesus. So we help people find and follow Jesus, who help people find and follow Jesus, who help people find and follow Jesus. That's the mission that we're committed to. Chris Taylor, another of our elders, put together this helpful chart of our history. And I thought this was great. Uh, Churches started in 1965. There's only five people there. I think there were a few more than that, actually. Not a lot. Look how long it was until the Anderson facility actually was completed. Right? They met uh, for a while out in Bryan. I think around 1974, what's now the College Auditorium, was put on site. And then 1995, our current Anderson facility was put there. I came to Grace for the first time in 1994 as a freshman in college. And I remember we were still meeting in the old college building. And every week we would sit in there and it was pews back then rather than chairs. And we would cram in, right? And you had to pull your elbows in, kind of suck in your tummy because there were so many people. And somebody would get up every week and they would say, look, if you are able-bodied, hear us, college guys. Please stand at the back of the room so we can make space for others more important than you, right? So we would get up and we would stand at the back of the room. But we would keep coming back because we wanted to hear the word of God, right? And then the, the December of my freshman year, they finished this building on Anderson Street and went over there to Anderson Street. And I sat down and it was just as crowded as the other building had been across the street. There wasn't any more space. And I remember thinking they should have built this deal bigger. So almost immediately, our elders began having a conversation. Okay, what are we going to do? How do we grow? They said, we don't want to sell this facility. We're a quarter mile from Texas A&M University. It's one of the most strategic pieces of land that we could imagine. We don't want to sell it and move away. What are we going to do? Right? And they were asking this question, how do we make more parking? How do we make more seats? And all of a sudden it hit them. They go, that's the wrong question. Those are the wrong questions. The wrong question is how comfortable can we make it for the people who are here? Right? The right question is how can we multiply so that more people in this community and around the world can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? So they started talking about this multi-site strategy, which at the time, 2006, 2007, when we started talking about this, at the time, very few churches were doing this. It was a very new movement. 
And what's interesting is almost all the churches doing multi-site, the way they were doing it was they had kind of a big central campus where they had a guy who was a very gifted communicator and he would stand up and preach and they would beam him via video to all of the other campuses, right? So the idea is that you're, you're building your teaching strategy around a really gifted guy, right? And it's not a bad strategy as far as it goes. Right, but at the time, for a variety of reasons, our elders kind of said, I don't know that we want to go that way. And what they said is when we plant a campus, what we want to do is send another pastor, another teacher down to each campus. And the, the heartbeat behind that was this, that because we're a church that believes in multiplication, in leadership development, we want to have a living picture of what that looks like, that we don't want to just expand the ministry of one teacher. We want to multiply teachers who multiply disciples, who multiply men and women throughout this community to share the gospel, right? So that's why 2008 Southwood and then 2015 Creekside, as we began to pray and say, okay, where do we go next? And we looked at the growth of this community and we said, okay, the the fastest growing area of our community is South College Station, right? And at the time, there were literally zero churches south of William D. Fitch. There wasn't a single one. So he said, we have, we have the ability and resources to go down there and begin a congregation. And so that's why we're here. Now, there are a few other congregations beginning to pop up in this area. But we said, let's move to South College Station so that we can continue the process of multiplication. And then, as you can see, there's a future in which we see not only three or four campuses, but more campuses. The idea is that we are just a part of this story, that the journey doesn't end with Creekside. And so what we want to do as Grace Creekside is contribute to the bigger vision of Grace Bible Church to say, we want to multiply disciples and eventually multiply campuses and churches, that we want to be a part of the Great Commission, right? So the goal ultimately of building a facility, for example, is not just so that we don't have to put away our own chairs anymore. That's a perk, but it's not the goal. The goal is that we have a base of operations where on Sunday and, by the way, during the week, we have access to a facility where we can train people to know Jesus, we can teach people to know Jesus, and then send people out through this community, through this nation, and around the world. That's the mission. That's what we're aiming for. And it's all driven by the values of Grace Bible Church. All right, so where are we going then based on those values? Where are we headed as a church couple of thoughts quickly. First of all, as I mentioned, we want to plant. We want to plant more campuses and more churches. And now I say that and I realize some of you are kind of about to have a heart attack because you think we're not done planting Creekside, right? We, we really have just kind of gotten going, all right? That's all right. Uh, we can do two things at once, right? One of my coworkers says, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can continue to further what Creekside is doing and multiply in this community and to the nations. I told you I'd give an update on where we are with the land process, just so you know what is happening with the building process of Creekside. If you remember around this time last year when I gave a very similar talk, I said, be praying that we would identify land on which to build, right? Because South College Station is a tough spot to find a piece of property that is the right size, that we could afford. Really, the biggest problem we had was finding anybody willing to even uh, sell us anything. People had land and they just, they didn't want to sell it either to a church or they just wanted to hold on to it and let it appreciate. Uh, What happened is one of our elders called a contact he had 
about this piece of property, which you all have seen before. This is down at uh, William D. Fitch and Williams Creek Parkway. And uh, this guy and his family, they'd held this property, I, I think, for decades. I mean, for a long, long time. But this fellow said, you know what? My, my dad was a pastor. I've always had a sweet spot in my heart for a church. Let me just see what I can do. I went to his family members, and they ended up selling us this property. We purchased the property back in the spring. Uh, the, the rectangle you see in the middle of the property, that's an oil well. That does not belong to us. Uh, but the rest of it does. So uh, we cannot fund it based on oil money. Uh, unfortunately, it's not green acres. But we uh, do have this property. It's about 42 acres. Uh, the best buildable property is actually kind of on the southwest end, right up next to Williams Creek Drive. All right. Uh, tomorrow, we, are meet- we have selected an architect. Tomorrow, all day long, we'll be meeting with this architect to give them the information about what we're doing so that they can then begin to develop plans. All right. We've talked with some general contractors. We're in that process of moving forward. I'm going to share in a couple of minutes how you can participate in that. Obviously, we're going to need to raise some money for that. All right. But that's where we are. We have an architect. We're beginning the design process. We have the land. All right. So Creekside is continuing in that planting process, but, but it's not going to stop there. We want to continue the process of multiplying what God is going to do in College Station, in Bryan, in the United States, and to all the nations. So we want to plant. Secondly, we want to partner. It may be that there are churches and organizations who can go to places that we cannot easily go, who have strengths that we do not have. All right, I I said this kind of tongue-in-cheek during the first service, but it's kind of true. We've sort of taken the approach that, look, if if you're not a heretic, you're you're on our team, okay? So, uh, If you are a church or an organization that preaches the good news of Jesus Christ, it's not that we can give equal money or time or resources to everybody, right? But we want to do what we can to resource other churches, to resource other organizations to be able to go into the world and spread the gospel. Some of you know that for years our church has had a great partnership with Crew, what used to be known as Campus Crusade for Christ. Because when we started wanting to expand our overseas ministries, Crew had structures and staff, and abilities that we did not have. Uh, This past summer, we went with East-West to Athens when we went on our first Creekside mission trip, right? So we'll partner with parachurch organizations, and at times we will partner even with other churches. Uh, There's about to be another campus of Westminster Presbyterian, actually, that's going to come here into the south part of town probably in the course of the next year. turns out that the pastor of that plant, I've known him since my college ministry days, I've known him for many years. And so we get together and we pray for this community and we pray for the gospel to go forth. There's a broader group of pastors on a monthly basis that prays together for the gospel to go out and for disciples to be made here in Bryan College Station. All right, so we want to plant churches and then we want to pray for and partner with those who are moving the Great Commission forward in our community. Okay, so that's, that's who we are. That's where we're headed. And so before we close, let me just briefly answer the question of what can you do, all right? What can you do? A few things to participate in what Grace is doing. First one, of course, I said is pray, pray, pray. Pray every Sunday, pray every day, pray every time you think of us. As I mentioned last week, we're a fledgling congregation and we need prayer, right? Even though we're part of a church that's been going on for many, many years, we here are relatively new and we're still figuring some things out. And so distractions come up from time to time. Uh, If you were here during our first song this morning, you know what I'm talking about, right? Every single week, 
There is something technical that happens that threatens to create a distraction or does create a distraction. And our production team always does a fantastic job of at least trying to fix it if they can. Okay, but, but sometimes it creates distractions. And what we want to pray for every morning is that the word of God and the gospel will be clear without distraction. We want to pray that as people come in this room, they will hear the gospel clearly. And people who don't know Jesus will come to know Jesus. We want to pray we will make disciples and stay on mission and really just not get distracted in a broader sense, right? Because I think it's very easy for us to be tempted by the idea that what we really want is just to have a comfortable spot to worship. We want our kids to feel like they're taken care of, right? And we don't have to pick up chairs, take chairs down, right? Those are, those are not bad things, right? But pray that we will stay on mission. That we'll remember that that's not the goal. Okay, I hope that our kids have a great time. I hope they learn about Jesus, but not just so that they have fun, but so that our kids can become spiritual multipliers who make disciples, who make disciples. So we stay on vision. Pray for that for us. Pray for that for the pastors and the staff and everybody involved in this congregation. Pray it for yourself and your family. Second, participate in what's happening here at Creekside. Obviously, through worship on Sundays, through worship when we have opportunities to participate in worship, uh, through growth, as uh, Dylan mentioned earlier, next Sunday there's going to be an opportunity. If you say, you know what, I would really like to get into a Bible study, grow deeper in my faith so that I'm better equipped to make disciples. If that's you, next Sunday between services, there's going to be that opportunity. August 27th, we'll have tables where you can sign up for a Bible study or a home group or whatever it may be, so you can grow in your own walk with the Lord. That's a critical part of the discipleship process is that you and I understand the Word of God better, and then we can make disciples more effectively. Evangelize or share the gospel. Really, our hope church-wide is that everybody in your own sphere of influence, at work, in your neighborhood, with your family, wherever it is, everybody is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One goal that we have for our whole congregation is that this fall, every single one of us, everybody in this room, will initiate at least two spiritual conversations with people who are far from Jesus. Initiate at least two spiritual conversations with people far from Jesus. We're going to talk about that some more as the fall goes on. Right? And so we want to resource one another to be able to do that and then make disciples, like we said, in your family, amongst the students, the young adults, and others who are coming in who need to know the Word of God deeply. Right? So pray, participate. Thirdly, give. Give. I, I mentioned that I was going to give a little bit of information. Some have asked, how can we give to the building process for Creekside. All right, so continue to give to the general fund. Continue to give your normal giving. But if you say, you know what, I want to pray about it, and I hope you all will, pray about how God would have me give above and beyond that in this unique time at Creekside to help with the facility. Let me tell you what's going on. The land itself cost $1.1 million, right? That was the cost of it. Before we break ground, ideally, we would love to have that paid off. Right? That's, a, that's a goal. God's in charge of it. But we would love to get that $1.1 million done and behind us so that we can then have what we need in order to actually build the facility. Okay, So if you say, you know what, I've prayed about it and I have some resources that I would like to give to this church, you can write a check and just in the memo line, write Creekside Legacy. All right, or you can go on the website to the give page on our website 
pick Creekside as your campus, pick Legacy Fund, and you can choose a monthly amount. You can choose a one-time amount, right? A couple weeks ago, my wife and I were praying about this, and, you know, I really thought, you know, I I do not ever want to ask this congregation to do something that we're not willing to do, right? So we prayed about it, and we have a monthly amount above and beyond our giving that we're going to say, we want to, this year, dedicate this to the Creekside Legacy Fund to help our congregation move forward with the vision, right? A building is just a tool, by the way. It's not the end-all, be-all of what we're doing. It's a tool. But we think it's a significant tool in our case, in this part of town, to have a spot that we can own and use on Sundays as well as during the week for discipleship, for worship, for the training of our fellows, right? Our, our recent college grads who come in and are looking for training in ministry, right? That's all it really is, is a tool. But we want to utilize that tool in order to share the gospel in this community and beyond. So pray, participate, give, and then fourthly, consider going. And when I say go, here I mean a couple of things. First of all, it may mean that being here at Creekside, this is not your last stop on the grace train, okay? Because I realize that some of you, you came from Anderson or Southwood in order to help us build Creekside, right? But in the, in the years to come, there are going to be additional campuses. And it may be as you pray about it, uh, the Lord leads you to say, you know what, I'm going to now leave from Creekside and go help start the next campus. It may be that the Lord leads you to leave Texas and go help plant a church in another country. Or it may be that you participate in a short-term mission trip to go support those long-term missionaries who are building a church. All right, so pray about how can you contribute to the Great Commission, not just with your financial resources, but with yourself to go. All right, so pray, participate, give, go. Again, our goal as a church ultimately is that we want to be a congregation that makes disciples who make disciples and then multiply churches and campuses here and around the world for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's who we are because we believe deeply in the transformative and saving power of the grace of God and the power of his spirit to move through us. And the worship team is going to come back and uh, lead us out in worship. They're going to close us in worship. And as they do, and as we sing the song, The thing that I want to really encourage each of us to do is this. Just ask as we're singing, right, in your heart before the Lord, what is the next step for me, right? What is it that God is asking me to do in order to contribute to the mission of Grace Bible Church? Maybe it is you say, this is the fall that I really need to get into a Bible study or a home group for the first time so that I can dig deeply in the Scripture. Maybe it is that you say, I need to to start serving, There's so many service opportunities to set up, to tear down, to help with the kiddos. There's so many service opportunities. Maybe it is a financial goal that you say, I want to contribute a certain amount to the operating fund or to the Creekside building, right? And so say, what is the next step that God may be calling me to participate not only in what he is doing in my own life and heart, but also in the mission of Grace Bible Church? Let me pray for us and then we'll close in worship. Father, we are grateful for your word. And we are grateful for the opportunity to participate in what you're doing here and around the world. I pray that you would make us simply faithful. We know that any one of us alone can't complete the mission alone, but that together you have called us to make an impact. So Father, I pray we would. I pray that we would rise to the challenge that your word places before us to make disciples, 
to know you deeply, to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray we would do those things. I pray we'd listen to the voice of your spirit and continue to pursue the future you have for us. We thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand and sing and respond to the preaching of the word.